Welcome to the New Zealand Tech Podcast, presented by Paul Spain, Bradley Burrows and guests. Welcome to the New Zealand Tech Podcast. This is episode number 64. You're with myself, Paul Spain. You've got Bradley Burrows. Skip Parker. Welcome along, New Zealand. Thanks, everyone, for listening in. We have, as usual, lots of interesting topics to dive through. First up, uh, we chat about Kim.com. Back in the media again uh, this week. Quite fascinating. You guys been uh, been listening in and, uh, and catching some of the news. I understand uh, Kim has been sharing some of his music around. Isn't that part of the problem? Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I think there should be a formal just let's not talk about Kim.com protest go on. Because <laughs> he's just a Kim.flop, seriously. I think this it's well he's really become um he's he's helping to put New Zealand on the uh on the stage. He's a big uh he's a big uh celeb in and outside of the tech world. Yeah, but is it kind so of So like, is Kim Kardashian and yeah, let's keep that in perspective too. Well I'm sure Kim Kardashian generates a lot of dollars for the US. This is good uh this helps our uh, how exports, doesn't it? Actually, just on the, I'm, I'm going to digress a little bit on the Kim.com thing, right? About the piracy thing, right? If you go to TED.com, there's a new video clip that's just come up uh, in the tech area. It's about, it's called the $8 billion iPad. Uh, sorry, the $8 billion iPod. And the guy goes through and he looks at the uh, mathematics surrounding some of the claims the music industry have made about piracy. It is definitely worth a look because it is hilarious. You know, if he does all the math on this thing, um, the the, st- the statistics and the final figures are ridiculously staggering and possibly a little bit inflated. So I, I reckon, you know, after you've had a, your morning fix of Tim, Kim, Kim.com on stuff.co.nz. Kim.com Kardashian. Yeah, exactly. Go along <laughs> and have a look at this clip because it kind of puts the whole piracy thing around the music and movie industry into a little bit of question. So it's worth having a look. So um, the motion, the uh, the Sound and Music Association in America, I can't remember the name of it, have just released their sort of forecasted revenue figures, figures for the United States. Their music, their actual numbers are up two percent compared to the last three or four years. Oh, the Motion Picture Association. Yeah, the yep. mu- the music uh, the music part of that though. Oh, okay. And also, they're saying that all record uh, all purchases of music is up fifteen percent, um, and people are actually buying and spending more. So piracy sucks, eh? Yeah, piracy is a real pain if you uh, don't want to make money. It seems interesting. So I started by talking about. Uh, Kim.com sharing his music around. Now talking about his music now rather than uh, everyone else's. So he's been working while producing uh, some um, some tunes. And uh, I was listening into George FM this morning and uh, Nick Dwyer was uh, was playing a, a slice of one of his new tracks. So uh, we might try and get our hands on uh, on that maybe for a, uh, a future uh, episode. Um, but uh, yeah, quite, quite interesting all the same that uh, he's out there producing some... Uh, some tunes, and the court has this week uh, said he's allowed to get out and about and uh, get into the recording studio for a couple of four-hour blocks um, outside of his house, and uh, he's allowed back online this week too. So and he um, can go for a swim. So quite interesting. Yeah, well, that's probably fair enough to be able to go for a go for a swim. The the bit I found interesting in the news in the last few days, though, around the case was that. For New Ze- for the New Zealand police to proceed with this, they actually have to carry a huge amount of liability. So it seems the uh, the article that I read indicates that if um, if the New Zealand police push ahead with this, and uh, and then the U.S. government doesn't win um, at court, then Kim dot com can potentially come back on the police here and say what you did destroyed my billion dollar business you owe me a billion dollars or whatever those figures end up being what do you think about that that's um so I reckon, does new zealand want to be carrying that sort of liability do oh, we do we uh, really want to be playing this game i reckon for, this whole case on is behalf fall of another over. country yeah it's going to fall over it's all going to fall over and it'll become there isn't enough evidence to convict him yeah i th- i mean i think it it's uh, it is looking more and more that way isn't it fascinating all right, on to uh, on to other topics now. It's um, 
been announced that our three mobile carriers in this country have decided to come together, which is is quite an unusual uh, occurrence because they're day to day they're generally uh, arch rivals. There's um, occasionally situations where we've seen um, uh, telecom and uh, and Vodafone uh, collaborate collaborate or agree on things, but um, they are pushing forward with a uh, mobile payment system based on. Uh, NFC or near field communications in uh, in mobile devices. Now, Skip, you're fairly up with the play on on this stuff, and there's some security risks really around uh, NFC as well, aren't there? But I guess the reason the telcos are coming together is because this is a way they can make some money. Yeah, I mean, any any chance to make a uh, bit of coin on the way through is uh, worth a shot, I guess. And if to be fair, if any one of them is going to make it in this area in terms of making money, they all have to participate because it's not going to be a widely accepted technology from retailers' side of things if um, if only a certain, like if only two degrees did it or if only Vodafone did it. It's got to be something that's going to be as readily accessible as a um, the... Uh, if postcard really, mm. I mean to make it work, and they're doing it in conjunction with Paymark, who are you know obviously a you know, key player well, in that the, space, right? They're the benchmark around um, secure payments, aren't they? Mm. Um, and um, and merchant transactions. I there are some concerns about near field communication stuff. It is it's near field, so if you are swiping a card or a device that is talking wirelessly to a um, a payments machine or any other device. In theory, you can intercept that conversation. You can even fake that conversation. So um, it's it's going to be an interesting case to see what happens. I think uh, well, at the last KiwiCon, they demonstrated a technology where they could use uh, an Android phone, um, or two Android phones, to be able to sniff uh, near-field uh, cards from one wallet across the uh, internet to another phone and actually complete the transaction. I th- there's going to be some stuff that the banks and some of these uh, engineers are going to resolve around that in terms of timing and everything. But it's still one of those uh, areas that I think uh, it still needs a little bit of work and a little bit of investigating. Um, I still think it's a great idea. I mean, it's um, possibly great to be able to just have your phone as your, your payment device. Yeah, I don't know. So my only concern is actually not with the operating systems that they're looking to run this on or the technology that they're using to run NFC on. It's actually the phone devices themselves. So as these things become little mini computers and we're moving into quad cores in the next 16 to 18 months, um, like a lot of the PCs out there, and I'm not sure about the Mac equivalent, but we have TPM chips on our devices to make sure we've got secure hardware and we've got encryption on our hard drives and stuff like that that's when I would feel comfortable using NFC-based technology. Until you can actually, and have it as standard, not as, because you might have all the Android guys go, oh, you can encrypt it if you alter the kernel file and blah, but it needs to be built in um, default. It needs to have that TPM manageability and securability on it. So that for me will then, I think that the technology will match the idea of NFC for me. And you make a very valid point. I mean, uh, Android phones... um some iPhones, uh, jailbroken iPhones, even some of the jailbroken Windows phones would have the um, the risk of third-party software running on them. Uh, and in theory, the near-field communication stuff is part of that infrastructure, so you should be able to skim and read that data. Yeah. Now, be, whether you could, could be, be some risks, yeah, yeah there could be some yeah. risk there. Yeah. Um, but let's just put it this way: in terms of the banking side of things, um, banks aren't going to run into this with open arms unless they are satisfied that it's. As secure as it's going to, it's as secure, or if not more secure than what we have now. They're not going to go back. So, yeah. all righty. Now, in other news of the moment, we've had April Fool's Day this week. Oh yeah, it was fun. And there, as usual, lots of pranks all over the world. Um, now, a bunch of sort of techie-related ones, uh, some of which more uh, more entertaining than others. The uh, the one I found quite fascinating was uh, was actually from from Google, and they have put together a, a video of uh, what they're calling uh, Google Maps eight bit for the um, Nintendo Entertainment System, which is a well, it's not a twenty year old console, is it? But it uh, it it goes back a long uh, a long way, or is it? 
It's yeah. it's pretty close to it now, actually. Yeah. Or, or, or is it or is it more than twenty? So anyway, there's a there's a pretty cool video, and the, you know those that remember the early consoles were uh, you know all about plugging in these clunky little uh, clunky little cartridges, and uh, yeah, quite entertaining down to the the fact that um, you know they they make a little bit of fun of how difficult it was sometimes to even get those cartridges to work. And the uh, that wasn't the, difficult. You just had to blow on them. The uh, yeah, well, <laughs> well, that was the example of this uh, uh, Japanese family that uh, are trying this thing out. And one of the things the uh, the guy does is picks it up and blows on his uh, on his cartridge. So yeah, quite quite an entertaining um, um, yeah little little video there. So um, we'll we'll we might put that one up on the uh, on the show notes, or you can look for uh, Google Maps eight bit uh, if you want to look that one up. Now, guys, what are the other ones um, we've seen over the last few days that sort of stood out? So there's three for me. Um, Microsoft are going to release a new version of Office. It's going to be the uh, 3D version. So you'll actually be able to see your Word documents in 3D with glasses. Yeah, awesome. Will they bring Clippy back in 3D? They will bring Clippy back in 3D. So I thought that one was good. Um, There's the new version of Bing uh, launching in the UK. Um, They've rebranded it Bingsley. And um, (laughs) hopefully the naming will um, uh, relate to the uh, British audience. Awesome. And the final one was the, obviously there's a lot of talk about Windows 8 and the new tablet. And they've bought out this uh, new tablet device that's just a piece of glass. That's awesome. It's completely, and all they did was they did a mock-up and it was just a sheet of glass and they drew some metro tiles on it. <laughs> and people actually took, some of the media out there started taking this as, uh, as gospel, that this was the new Windows 8 tablet. So yes, yeah, so they, they took that one, had to send a statement out going, this is not the new Windows 8 tablet, it's a piece of glass. That is Excellent. fantastic. Excellent. I, this year, I think Google must have done something across the whole company. They did, yeah. Because there was stuff, I mean, the one that I really liked, no, I kind of liked it, to be honest. It was a little bit funny in some places, but Google t- uh, Gmail tap. So the idea is that we spend all our time tapping away at keyboards, writing messages, when we could probably do it with just two buttons. Uh, and this is alluding to Morse code. So you could actually send an email message with two buttons, tapping back and forth with your two fingers. Um, but they thought, hey, everyone's a multitasking generation, so why don't we add another set of buttons at the top so you can send two messages at once with two, one, two pairs of hands. You know, so it was kind of like um, yeah, the old Morse code thing. There was one from Microsoft, and I'm still trying to remember what it was. Um, and I, No, it wasn't from – yeah, I think it was from Microsoft, but it actually made it work, which made me crack up. Yeah, Google came out with a prank last year it was. Yeah, this is something different. Yeah, that, that And was then they, they went and Microsoft came out the next week and made it actually what the prank was actually real. Yeah. That's right. That's right. Uh, no, they did something else this year, and I just can't for the life of me um, remember what it was, so we probably should just move on. I think oh. we're going to get a call at 2 in the morning saying, I, just I got it. it. I got it. I know what it is now. <laughs> now, other than April Fool's Day, um, there's, there's been um, a few other things going on. Brad, over your weekend, you were playing around with... Um, with a piece of technology, a little bit of an older piece of technology, not that old, a couple of years old, um, a smartphone called the HTC HD2. Now, this is an amazing smartphone because oh, yeah. it can run actually just about any uh, mobile operating system that's uh, been out in the last few years other than uh, other than iOS, if I've got my uh, facts right. Now, what... Uh, what did you what did you manage to get it to uh, to achieve for you over the weekend? So the bearing H- in mind this is an older device. Yeah. So the HD two is the Swiss Army knife of, of mobile handsets. That's the way to look at it. You can run anything on this thing. So I set myself a challenge to dual boot uh, Windows Phone seven, uh, Mango build, um, the new version of ICS, and have it booting into Windows Mobile six point five, and um, got it going. Um, and it was interesting. It was very very interesting. Um, Windows Phone OS was interesting to have a look at and see what people are doing. They're trying to customize it, but you can't sign into anything, so it's a bit of a dormant place in some respects. Uh, Windows Mobile 6.5, people are going to hate this, but I look at that and I look at the current version of Android and I do sit there and go, there are some serious similarities there. But in saying that, I got ICS working. And this was 4.03 Beta 19 was the build number. Um, and it was from a Nexus, uh, it's a Nexus ROM that people have been, uh, one of the free ones out there, mm. and it was really nice. It is a, quite a nice system. Some of the, um, it's still a little bit laggy, I mean that might be due to the hardware, 
but actually getting it up and going and um, having a play around with it, is that, that was actually quite a nice experience. But again, it's still very icon-focused at the moment, but I can see where they're going with a lot of the touch-based um, interfaces and swiping on it. But um, there's still that, you got the big sort of um, Apple iPhone-y type icons on there as well. So, But no, they, they've, it's definitely matured. You can see the big um, jump between um, gingerbread and, and ice cream sandwich. And let's hope Jelly Bean really takes it to the next level. So you got a phone, you go to a bootloader, and which is like a start screen, and you get options, and you can just choose one of three operating systems to load on your phone. Very, very cool. It's like dual booting a PC back in the old days. It's quite fun, actually. Excellent. Now, how how legal is it to take a Windows 6.5 phone and put Windows Phone 7 on it? Is, is that sort of legit, or you probably, you know... Uh, You'd be getting into into trouble potentially if you, uh, you know, you couldn't take that and sell it, could you? Oh gosh, no, no. absolutely not. No, this is a de- this is a developer ROM mm. that someone's played around with at this point in time, so it's part of the developer stuff. So you um, couldn't do that and put it up on Trade Me. You might absolutely get in not. For that, don't absolutely you? not. Okay. No, and even I would say I'm not even sure about the T's and C's around um, the HD2 handsets and what you can and can't do there. This is purely for testing and just developing and having a play around with that. Cool, cool. Oh, that's good. Yeah, there's definitely still a few of those phones out there, and you see do see them pop up on on Trade Me and the like from time to time. So, uh, those who are really into uh, into that sort of thing and, and hacking their phones, um, that is is a, is a cool phone to play with. Skip's laughing in the corner over there. What's so funny? Come on, I was just going through some of the other April Fool's Day jokes. Sorry, <laughs> Kodak did a print your own live kittens. <laughs> <laughs> they've got a picture of a Kodak machine like you get in the malls with kittens coming out the bottom of it <laughs> sorry just really digress that could here. get real messy if the rollers and stuff got a little bit close oh, together oh, 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 Wait, you, can't, you don't have a paper jam I mean, you have a kitten jam kitten jam oh no it's just it just sounds uh, sounds yeah could turn up as a uh, bloody mess but, yeah, that's uh, right yeah. sorry about that anyway um, yeah alright back on to um nicer uh nicer <laughs> topics now apple uh have been uh gaining a little bit of attention for their focus on their assembly lines and factories recently uh in the last few days because a little a little let's be realistic name a name a news station that hasn't featured an article on this in the last 48 to 72 hours uh, probably the f- new station outside Foxconn. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I've seen it on CNN, Fox, TV3, TV1. I've seen it on Prime News, Sky News Australia, BBC. I've seen it on Click. Um, I haven't seen it on MSNBC yet. So the positives that I've heard is that um, is that the workers are getting a, a pay raise and they're getting their hours reduced because at the moment they're breaking Chinese law and working more hours than it is actually legal for someone for someone to work um which ap- apparently is pretty common across um you know production of all sorts of devices not just apple um how do you guys see this is this is this a is this a good thing going on is you know could it be done better oh, look i've heard let me put it again. I've heard some good and bad things about this, and I actually need to probably do a little bit more research to really give a fair comment on it because I've heard some people saying this is really good, and then I've seen some articles, I've seen some news um, clips where people are talking about it and saying it's really, really bad, and I don't understand why people are saying it's bad when, in theory, the wages are going up and the hours are being reduced, and I'm not sure if the workers have been penalised anyway. I know that us, us as the consumer are going to, get hit with a higher it's like five dollars for an ipad i think we were saying before the show and four dollars for an iphone or something increase but i just need to do a bit more research for for my personal view to sort of really comment on it i i really struggle with this because i i have been an apple fanboy um in the past in a former life and uh, loved my iphone 3gs when it was out but really struggled because i knew that there was a bit of a social cost towards these devices and I think it's a social cost towards a lot of devices that we have. I, my big question is, a company like Apple who have been using Foxconn, an organization like Foxconn, in a manner that is now questionable for so long, um, how far back does the liability lie with something like that? So we're saying, okay, you know what? Yeah, we, we've kind of not totally been kosher here. We've kind of flown either too close to the wind or way too far over it. Um, 
so we're going to amend that now and make everything better. Well, it's easy for you to say that when you're, what, a $400 million, billion dollar company or whatever. Um, so it's kind of just a bit tricky, eh? I, I just, uh, there's still a little bit in the back of me that says this should have been a lot earlier. And as consumers, we probably should have been a lot more vocal about our disgust in this area. So why... Why have you know? Usually, when there's a when there's some sort of major injustice, and it you know happened with um, with Nike, uh, you know back in the day, and various other companies around the you know the uh, the use of uh, you know child labour um, and and slave labour and so on, you know that sort of thing through the the fashion industry that was really big for a while, and there were a lot of people that got up in arms of that. Why haven't we heard this around the production of uh, Electronics, is it just it just isn't on the same sort of scale? I think is it just the facts are that it isn't such a big deal, uh, or is it that um, you know people actually uh, genuinely don't want to cover this because they love their uh, their tech so much? I think there's a bit of truth in that last statement. To be fair, I think we didn't want to question the issues around the manufacture because the current manufacturing model allowed us to purchase pretty good gear for not a lot of coin to be fair um so i think our own consumer desires kind of driven and blinded us from a little bit of the social injustice that may have occurred in those places um i don't know i think it's possibly a bit of a wake-up call for us all really to think about the technology that we buy what it actually impacts i mean if we want to be decent citizens on the earth and you know not try and tick off the guys around us we need to actually be a little bit mindful of the cost of devices not only just to us but to people who are manufacturing them for five cents an hour or whatever ridiculous hour i think you raised a really good point before i think we've become more socially aware around clothing shoes and um i suppose those sort of items around the slave labor part when we buy it but with our consumer electronics the magpie effect, I call it, or the shiny must-have-new overrides even the social conscience and we sort of come a bit blindsided that it just gets made and we want the latest iPhones and we want the latest TVs. And again, it's not just Apple here. Um, Foxconn make it for a lot of other organizations. Yep, so I want to be very... I want to make sure that it's not just Apple getting the point, the finger pointed at them. Yep. But it's... I think the shiny dollar, uh, the shiny gadget factor for a lot of us now, and I'm one of them, as I don't think about who's making it in the background. Well, the which bit is that, wrong. the real bit that concerns me though is those kids in New York that are queuing up for more than forty hours for their goods, and you know instead of just doing a forty-hour week, some of those kids are queuing up for the new iPad or the new iPhone for maybe eighty or a hundred hours. That's not justice, is it? Well, they that's, they, they won't even terrible. know about it. Do you, you know what? It really <laughs> does paint a dismal picture of society, doesn't it? Where one side of the world can queue for 40 hours for a device in whatever rain, wind or something like that, and some people are manufacturing these things for non-stop, for, well, not, not non-stop for 40 hours, but you know what I mean. Yeah, it's just work, a really weird thing. 60 or 80 hours a week. I guess the other thing is that we kind of look at technology like um, I, the iDevices and other tablets and laptops and whatnot and we see a reasonably high price tag on those things so we just naturally assume that down the chain someone's getting paid a reasonable wage for that i just did a bit of quick bit of research one of the key things that people are complaining about from the foxcom employees is that their salaries will decrease and one um one lady says her salary will increase from four thousand yang to two thousand yang or roughly three hundred and seventeen dollars because they are now going to be forced to only work 40 hours a week so they're they're actually going to be worse off, and she says it's not fair. She says if we want to, if we want, we're here to work. We're not here to play. If we want to earn the money, let us earn the money. She says now she's going to have to go find a second job. So that was one of that's one of the Foxconn employees. So that's an interesting perspective from their side as well. I'm sorry, but you work forty hours a week, and you still aren't getting paid enough to be able to sustain how you live. I think there's got to be some serious questions around that. Yeah, I agree. Forty nine hours apparently is what they're uh, yeah reducing the hours to. So. Mm. Wow. All right. So that's enough on that topic. And, you know, I'll just, I will highlight again. I mean, this isn't just an Apple um, issue. They're, you know, they're the most obvious one that have been, um, you know, in the gun. And they're probably the ones who can most afford with the level of profitability on their on their products to, um, you know, to address it. But, you know, I think these issues probably, uh, you know, work across a range of, of vendors' products.
All right, just uh, drop that disclaimer in there. Um, <laughs> yeah, now, good call. In in um, in other news, there are, there are a couple of things that have come to come to light in uh, in Australia. And I'm looking at this because I'm off to uh, off to Australia next week, so I've been having a little bit of a look at some of the happenings in Australia. Now, um, one of the things that I noticed is that um, Vodafone Australia are well underway with rolling out um, an 850 megahertz 3G network, which I thought was fascinating because. Here in New Zealand, Vodafone have a 900 uh, megahertz 3G network, um, 900 and 2100. In Australia, it's um, 850 and 2100. So we, we're potentially heading towards a point where we have an issue for Vodafone New Zealand uh, users roaming into um, into Australia what's over, a, what's, over the time. What's America? Is it 850? Uh, yes. There but, you go. That's why. I mean, honestly, they, they'll be trying... They, I mean... No, no it's, to it's, mix, it's mixed in America still as well. I mean, I think only... Well, AT&T is on, AT&T is on 850, uh, and uh, 1900. You've got um, T-Mobile that are on uh, 1700, uh, and, and yeah, I think 1700 is their, uh, their main band. I suspect Vodafone's doing it because that's the only frequency they can get. So the lower frequencies, the 850 and the 900s, are good for long-distance stuff, right? So when you're out in the country, you're generally connecting on those frequencies. And Australia's got a huge land mass, right? Exactly. Now, in, in towns, you generally use the infill-type frequencies, which is the 19, the 18s, and the 2100s. So sometimes when you buy a phone and you get it here to New Zealand, it works all fine until you leave the city. It's because it's not connecting on that lower frequency. Your phone doesn't support it. 850 is an, a weird frequency. It's hard to get handsets for it um, as a consumer. But um, there are more and more now because AT&T in the US are, you know, are doing it, and we've seen that. With, I, I uh, think you it's know. just a, bit, a little bit strange that they're doing this in, in my mind because surely the next move would be to look at rolling out LTE-type networks and stuff like that. Well, that, that is their next move. The other thing to remember in Australia is also that uh, Telstra have an 850 megahertz network. So their network is very similar to yes. the XT network. But what it does is it puts um, Telecom New Zealand here in quite a strong position with their XT network because all of their devices will work brilliantly in Australia because more <laughs> of the US car- uh, more of the Australian carriers, so uh, both Telstra and Vodafone, have uh, 850 uh, and, and 2100 megahertz so uh, networks. So what, what's the cost? I mean, guesstimate here. What do you reckon the cost would be to Vodafone to step down to an 850? Well, they're bringing this in in Australia. Well, you've got to have the uh, you've got to have licensed that. So yeah. it depends what they've been able to buy. In uh, in Australia, where you've got um, the three network or the Hutchinson three network, they've merged with Vodafone Australia. So this that ties in as part of the reason. Um, the other thing we're seeing is that uh, Vodafone Next, and this is part of the building blocks. Uh, and I think they're working with Who Are We actually, we, you know, who have been in the in the news and in our discussion last week uh, to roll this out. If I've got it right, um, so they're rolling out that, and then they then the, their next step will be to move it to LTE or to offer LTE, uh, which Telstra have already launched in Australia. Now that brings us on to the next story, say, doesn't yeah. it, Brad? Yeah. So old uh, Apple got themselves in a little bit of trouble in Aussie. We have been talking about this before. They are getting picked on at the moment in Australia. I mean, we're talking about this. Australia is the testing ground for all legal cases at the moment. And another one's come out where um, the consumer uh, Australian consumer watchdog group over there have taken Apple to court and are saying that you're not allowed to put um, 4G on any of your marketing because right now they don't offer competitive 4G. Now... You're saying there is 4G over there. So there, there is 4G in Australia, but the problem is these iP- the new iPads, which are all labelled as being 4G, that 4G, the which is the LTE the LTE capability, is only at this stage uh, designed to work in North America and Canada and the US. So you walk into uh, Apple Store or whatever retailer, you see the new iPad LTE 4G, and you think. Awesome, because you know that Telstra has an LTE 4G network. You've got a happy ocker at the stage, and he goes home and he goes, it's only going to work on 3, 3G? It steps yeah, down to 3G? No, it steps down to 3G, so it doesn't work on 4G, even though um, it's being sold, it was being sold that way. Yeah, so, so they're having to... That's the, that's the uproar at the at the moment, and that's why um, yeah. Yeah, they're, they're getting a bit of bad, uh, bad press for well, that one. Apple have been told to give... Uh, now, Skip, correct me here. They're having to correct the marketing and also offer refunds to all Telstra-based iPad buyers. Is that correct? Yep. 
Uh, anyone, anyone anyone who's bought the iPad, I think, there now has a right to return it yes, if they, they feel they've been misled. Yep. So yep. It's, it's going to be interesting to see if anyone actually returns it. I doubt there will. Um, but there might be one or two 4G purchases. I don't know. Be interesting. But they are getting picked on a little bit over there. Yes. So, yeah, I think it it is a bit of a word of warning here because, um, you know, brands that sell products globally need to be cautious about how they launch in local markets. I mean, it was launched in New Zealand as 4G, but, of course, you can't use that at all in New Zealand because there aren't any, you know, full 4G networks. And I think somebody even made a, you know, a complaint to the Commerce Commission um, here um, that, hey, you're advertising a feature that we actually can't use. Um, but I don't think that's as you know as confusing as a situation where there is a 4G network, but it's not compatible with it. Um, but I guess the flip side is you might buy that thinking, hey, I'm preparing, I'm buying this 4G because I've I've heard that Vodafone and Telecom are going to launch 4G here in New Zealand. But actually, when those come out, there's a pretty high chance, in fact, a very high chance that uh, that 4G capability still will be no good once 4G launches in New Zealand. What about the iPhone? If I bought an iPhone 4G in the US, uh, is that the same concept over there that in theory if we launched 4G here it probably wouldn't work here? Well, they haven't launched a, a, 4G, a LTE um, version yet, but ba- based on iPhone yet. Um, well, I think, yeah, the time will tell on that. And that's I think we've chatted about this before. One of the issues with LTE 4G networks is there are a large range of bands that they can operate in. And at this stage, there isn't, uh, there aren't devices that are able to run a whole lot of those. And in fact, um, one of um, the iPhone's benefits over, you know, a large number of the other mobiles at the moment is in the 3G band. Uh, there's operate, you know, the iPhone works in, you know, just about anywhere on any any 3G yep. network right now. Uh, but 4G is is completely the opposite in those regards. Yeah, that is one good thing about the I, the iPhone is a true world roam mobile device. Um, and I suspect um, with the history that they have in that area, they will do the same around LTE as well. It'll be multi-band, as much of a world roaming device as possible because they don't want to get into the game of having different devices with different frequencies. It's just a nightmare. Mm. Now, um, back to the original story that... that um that got me looking into um, mobile and so on in Australia was because I'm heading over there uh, next week uh, for an, an event with um, HP, I thought I'd just have a quick look and see what the state of the play was in terms of roaming roaming data. So if I dive over to, uh, to Australia, what's it going to cost me in data? Now, uh, knowing that I would average... Um, I don't know. I guess my use of data varies from, from from day to day, but you know, somewhere between ten and fifty megs would be, um, you know, would be fairly fairly typical. So, right? how, how much? Ten and fifty megs on my mobile, just on my phone, a, a day. Yeah. Are you sure? You're having a laugh. How much? How many megs do you guys use a day? No, I'm no. It's Paul Spain here. <laughs> You're looking at at least a hundred a day. Oh mate, I've seen you on that thing. No, that'd be a three gig plan. I do not chew through a three gig plan. In fact, I'm not on a three gig plan. So if I if I did a hundred a day multiplied by thirty days, that's three gigs. That's three gigs a month. One I day don't off, do one that day on, off a week on Sunday. I don't relax. do that on my mobile, <laughs> uh, mostly because I'm near Wi-Fi most of the time. Um, but anyway, so let let's just say you you know you're not using a whole lot. You're doing uh, 10, 10 megs now. Uh, if you're just on the sort of standard plans with um, Vodafone now down to fifty cents a meg, so if you do ten megs, that's going to cost you about five bucks. And that, sorry, the, when you say fifty cents, that's fifty cents Australian or New Zealand? That's New Zealand. So if you take your Vodafone New Zealand mobile over to Australia, their rate. And remember, it wasn't long ago this was thirty dollars a meg. I know and it went down to cheap. ten dollars a meg. Now their Australian rate is fifty cents a meg. So that makes it not too painful to uh, to head across the ditch with your mobile and, and their calling rates are also fairly reasonable. Texting is 80 cents a go so that's expensive to send a text. Texting is quite a tricky system to run though. Mm. So, yeah, so that's, that. that's the story. Um, telecom um, standard rate from what I can see uh, is $2.50 a meg in Whoa. Australia so it's five times what uh, what Vodafone's rate is. Now, Telecom do also have some packs that you can buy. I think they've got a 
well, they do. Yeah, they've got a few bundles that you can buy. Uh, two degrees is between fifty cents and ninety-five cents a meg. So um, they've come down a lot because when Two Degrees Mobile launched into the New Zealand market, their roaming was, you know, they were they were lower in all their call costs, but then their roaming costs were the highest of any. So they've come into a position where they're pretty competitive um, as well. Now, guys, what do you think it would cost if you were say a Telstra Australia user? And you decided to come over to New Zealand with your mobile, knowing you know what our rates here are between fifty cents and two dollars fifty a meg for Kiwis to roam in Australia. I think it's going to be quite cheap. I'm going to say ten cents. No, I'm going to say twenty five cents a meg. Twenty dollars a meg, no New Zealand. Way. <laughs> it was after I've done the conversion from Australian dollar wow. to New Zealand dollar. So I yeah, this is this is some crazy numbers. So this is a situation where as Kiwis. We are much better off crossing the ditch with our mobiles than the Aussies are coming over here with their uh, with their Telstra mobile phones. So um, wow. yeah, a bit of a a bit of a slap there for uh, Telstra. So um, I now what I haven't done is looked up what uh, Telstra Clear New Zealand charge if you roam across the ditch, but they hang off Vodafone's networks, so probably uh, similar to Vodafone's pricing. But if uh, um, yeah, if you're a Telstra Australia customer, fairly painful by the looks of it to uh, roam in New Zealand. So if we just work that out at that little ten dollar, uh, or sorry, ten megs usage uh, a day, that would be uh, that would be two hundred dollars a day to use your mobile. Whereas us going the other way are spending five dollars a day for data. Yeah, that, that 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 reminds me. I was reading the Sydney Morning Herald about two weeks ago, I think it was. Now they, they actually had a guy that was. Um, he'd been roaming over in um, Asia, came back for a week, and he had a $5,000 phone bill. So that actually corresponds really nicely with what was going on there, that they do these humongous data programs. Mm. Do you have to be on a special plan to get what you're talking about for the Vodafone, or is that, okay, forget prepaid? As, no, as far as I'm aware, that you know, if you're on an, if you're an on-account customer, that's a standard rate. Now, we, do, we are always quoting all sorts of numbers and figures here on the NZ Tech Podcast, um, but don't take our word for it. If you're actually going to be spending money when you're <laughs> this roam, is Paul's liability you know, disclaimer. <laughs> do go and do go and check, contact your account manager, whatever, because there are various plans and there's prepay and postpay and you know all sorts of options. So double check. But um, those were the figures that I found after a you know a quick browse on online over the weekend. So um, I was waiting yeah. for the disclaimer that said uh, we do quote lots of numbers and most of them aren't made up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this it's about fifty fifty, isn't it? That's Skip? right. Yeah. 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 What do they say? Seventy three point two percent of all stats are made up on the spot. Now um, <laughs> here here's something else. Talk. We're still on the Australia subject. There's an Australian company called QuickFlix, and uh, we had news a couple of weeks ago that QuickFlix would be launching in New Zealand. Now, all of our listeners are probably pretty familiar with hearing us talk about Netflix. In fact, we've been bleeding on about Netflix pretty much since the very first episode, haven't we, Brad? Yeah, and I know of about 20 or 30 people that have bought Roku's and, and net, get Netflix all, on as well. Yeah, all that kit, and we come across more all the time. So um, now there's there's been quite a few hoops to jump through to get up and running with the Netflix service, which is... Uh, uh, which is which is pretty amazing. Now we've actually got for uh, some reason we've got the disco ball going here in the studio now, Brad's because uh, I'm warming up for Brad, this one. Brad's just getting all excited here um, now. Um, the uh, so Netflix versus Quick Quick Flix. Um, what's the difference, guys? And and I guess the the, the reason we're talking about Quick Flix is that Quick Flix has just launched in New Zealand in the last few days, so it's not just an Aussie service, it's in New Zealand now. Um, but, guys, you both have it, well, we've all had a bit of a look at Quick Flix. What is there that's good about it, and what is there that's you know quite different to Netflix? Now, just a quick reminder for viewers that haven't caught up on Netflix, uh, if you're in the US and you use Netflix, you can... Um, Use it to order DVDs to get mailed to your home, which isn't the bit we're interested in. It's the service that lets you stream huge amounts of movies and TV programs, and they've just got a huge catalog of content. It's pretty phenomenal. Um, Amazing. Where where does QuickFlix uh, sit in that picture, guys? Uh, we're in a Kiwi country, so I'm going to use a rugby analogy. Netflix is the All Blacks. Uh, QuickFlix sort of sits around there around Botswana in the rugby <laughs> rankings. 
<laughs> oh, that's right. No, so, it's, it's right. Okay, it's so going to get better. It's going to get better over time. Yeah, so I've got to ask a question. How long will it take uh, Botswana to get their tra- team trained up and to get to the um, finals of the World Cup? Oh, it'll never happen. <laughs> um, but look, look with the reality is when you compare QuickFlix to the likes of Netflix, Hulu, Epic, Crackle. Epic and Crackle, you can get them here in New Zealand. Um, yeah, but in saying that, you can get crackle, but there's you know half a dozen movies of no, but it's here. It's a service. It's, it's not that's true. That's okay. true. Yeah. So the thing with Quickflix is obviously there's t- uh, probably three three key things. Like Paul said, there's no DVD service, which is cool. I don't rent DVDs anymore. We got Fatso here in New Zealand for that. Um, they are not streaming any of the HBO content because Sky have got a um, licensed agreement, so they have to remove all that content out. So we get a a subset of the Australian side of the business. That's interesting, isn't it? Because uh, HBO happens to have just invested ten million in uh, in in the company, but they but because of that agreement, we can't Correct. actually see any of the content so in New Zealand. But that that's for now, huge, right? Uh, that may change in the future because that contract won't be for a hundred years. It might be for one, two, five, ten, twenty. Hopefully, not fifty years. <laughs> yeah, but right. it's, 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 as it stands right now, um, well, there's only BBC TV content. When I looked last week, that was pretty much where I looked at all the programs. They were all British. The whole uh, lot. They were good. That was really good. There was about 10 programs available, but they were all British. Yeah, so they've signed a contract with BBC. They've also got some other local Australian content coming through. Yeah, it's not here yet. Not here here yet, coming soon. So the the two big downfalls that I see at this point in time are I didn't think the online experience was very good. Now, Paul and I were talking about this before. Not a lot of people use the online experience on on um, on a Mac or a PC or anything like that, but still... The whole experience itself, I didn't personally like it. But the big one for me is it's it's excluding pretty much the main gaming platform, which is the Xbox environment. They're only playing it on the PlayStation right now. So you can get it on Sony TVs, Sony Playstations, and there's an iPad and iPhone app. But the... Um, the Sony TV setup was was quite, I got a friend and he got it going and it's quite it's quite nice that way. Cool. So but, you can just control that yep. straight on your TV, connect your TV to the internet, and you can just use your remote control. Correct. So you don't need anything else fancy. But the the exclusion of the whole Xbox thing, which is pretty much depending on which number you look at, sits between fifty to sixty percent of the New Zealand market at the moment. Um, is kind of silly in some respects. Well, I think that's sort of something that would that would come in, you know, in time. And it, you know, there was a time going back where Netflix wasn't available on, yeah, you know, it was only available on laptops and, you know, PCs and Mac and so on. And then that's grown over the last few years. So I guess it really comes down to QuickFlix to grow their market share, and to then convince, you know, the Microsoft Xbox guys and and you know various other uh you know device manufacturers to come up with with something they need to get on um you know samsung tvs and other ones but other tvs other i think it's a good start that they're on more than just pcs and laptops to start with that they are actually on that sony platform and let's face it a lot of people with ps3s out there you know there there is um a big audience and there are a lot of people with sony tvs unfortunately my sony tvs which are uh, maybe two years old are, um, are, are not, as far as I'm aware, a model that's able to actually use um, use the software. So there's an Ethernet connection, but I don't see any option to be loading down apps and so on. So um, I'm I'm going to miss out on that one. For I, I want to see more integration into other TVs. I get a real feeling in my head, and I can't prove this, that QuickFlix has actually got a huge Sony backing with a lot of the content and the way they're pushing. But I would love to see it on Samsung, LGs. I, I, the Samsung smart screens are really, really nice. Um, I would like to see it on Xbox. I just like to see if they really want to reach that market, especially in New Zealand. Sony's not the dominant player in the TV space as much as we like them. It oh, is the I don't know. I've got, I've got Sony's in my house. Oh, look, I'm, I mean, a, I'm a Sony person. Full credit to Sony, though, for getting on board with this thing uh, quickly in New Zealand. And remember, they're also the guys um, that have that have come on board with the uh, the internet uh, TV service um, that we talked about oh, quite a few episodes ago now that uh, NZ Tech Podcast is, uh, is featured on and popped out of my head. Oh, yeah. The, um, yeah, I know the one you mean. Sorry, it's popped out of mine, too. Good New Zealand site, which has got web web TV content going through, and we'll refer to it in the show notes later. Zeln, thank you. That's it. Thank you, Skip. <laughs> Always full of knowledge. Wiki Skip. Wiki Skip. As long that. as it's not Wiki Skip. <laughs> but look, I mean, I just I get frustrated when I don't care who it is sits there and isolates them on one side of the fence. 
which oh, is well, how I feel they've done yeah. it. Well, they've got started. Let, let's hope that grows. Just to counter that argument, I think the problem is that the market space around this whole on-demand video stuff is so competitive. The Samsung product placement is probably going to be tricky because Samsung may be doing something of their own, potentially. Yep. Or partnering well, with that, another one of their own crowds, possibly. I'm not so much with the LG, and possibly there might be something handling around the uh, Xbox as well. You just don't know, especially when it comes to the New Zealand market space, because I can't imagine crowds like Sky and TVNZ, you know, the big content providers are sitting back, going, "I oh, will just see what happens." I mean, ultra fast broadband is coming to a town near you any time between now and whenever. Um, <laughs> well, it's, um, it's, it's, you know, it's seriously so, it's now in the end of the decade. I mean, it is well, a big that, rollout process, right? Exactly. So, so some of these products big, don't need to be ready just yet for the broad I, market. I think that you've got to be thinking about getting your product into that space. So if you're not saying to think about it now, you're probably getting a bit too late. TVNZ's on Sony. Yep. So effectively what you're going to see is that the likes of Sky, who are the rights holders, will be thinking about this. You can see it. They've been thinking about it with iSky and some of the other platforms. Um they're going to do something here. So I, I'd imagine there's probably a little bit of competition against uh, Quick Flicks moving into the space, which could possibly be slowing things down for them, one to the other platforms. So Bring on Netflix, question. that's all I have to well, say. Well, I think – and it, the other thing about this is it is good for um, – yeah, I mean, it, it, no, it generally is um, – another thing that will encourage people to move towards the new UFB technologies. Now, one little tip. We heard that there was going to be a launch price of $9.99, and I think the final retail price is about $17. Now, the tip that I heard is if you sign up now at that $9.99 price, you'll actually stay on it. It's not that you'll get it for the first 60 days or 90 days and then be bumped to the full price. If you actually sign up, now, as an early adopter, apparently you will stay at that low price on an ongoing basis. So, are you going to? I mean, honestly, that's uh, that's what I've heard. So, I've already signed up. You're up for the for the year now. Well, it's a it's a monthly yeah. subscription, but but I'm in, and I guess I'll wait and see what happens with content over the next month or two. But at ten bucks a month, I could certainly afford that for you know for a few months. It's not going to uh, break the bank, and my UFB connection is supposed to go active in the next few weeks, so um, we'll see. Sorry, one last thing. Um, has anyone so has anyone thought about trying to get the Aussie content over here, which is a lot, lot more? That's a good question. In the same way we're getting Netflix out of America, um, that is interesting. I think there are potentially some challenges to doing a, um, Do I hear an a Australian sign-up. So, um, all right, Brad, all. we're putting a challenge out for you to... Set up a VPN to Australia, which should give you much faster speeds than a US uh, VPN because a lot less, uh, lot less latency and so on. Um, and yeah, maybe a little bit easier. So uh, yeah, go out and do it. All right, done. Okay. I'll, I'll report back on that one. All right, good, good. So that's probably that's probably enough on uh, on that topic. We will we'll be keen to hear back from uh, listeners. So if you do ping us on uh, on uh, Facebook, Twitter, or, or the or the usual channels, which we'll mention again uh, shortly. That would be uh, that would be good. We're keen to hear people's experiences and, and how you get uh, you get on with uh, with with quick flicks. Next topic: a little bit of an update on some uh, some changes coming to the NZ Tech podcast. Yes. So we launched this podcast together, Brad, uh, February last year, two thousand and eleven. I think was our very first episode. Um, it's been a pretty interesting uh, little ride. Skip joined us at episode two. Is that right? Uh, two point five, because then you start a few beforehand, and then well, there was the, there was the missing episode zero, which nobody ever heard, and is in the <laughs> vault somewhere, um, which we'll call episode zero. We actually recorded two episode ones, uh, <laughs> and um, and then I think it was episode three when uh, there was the the three of us uh, all recording together for the first time. Uh, was when we hit the uh, the number one uh, slot for the first time um, on the New Zealand podcast charts, uh, care of uh, of iTunes. So um, yeah, it was a it was a pretty quick uh, ride um, to um, uh, to popularity as a podcast, and it's been a it's been a pretty fun uh, last twelve months or so, isn't it? It's been busy. We've done a lot. I mean, between WPC and covering some large events and. Yeah, we've done a we've had some interesting times. We have. We have. But and we've generated um, some interesting outtakes, I'll tell you that now. Yeah. <laughs> now as they say, all uh, all good things um 
all good things must come to an end. Um, now that doesn't mean we're actually announcing the end of the NZ Tech podcast, <laughs> but we're what what's going on is I guess we're uh, we're talking about a, a bit of a change coming up. I mean, uh, it's been it's been a pretty hefty load doing doing this podcast for um, for all of us, and uh, that's sort of not gonna not gonna fit certainly over the next uh, over the next few months, is it? No, not for me. I've got a um a few products going to market. If you get what I mean, so so you work for the small organisation <laughs> called Microsoft. Yeah, so um, for so me, I've got a day yeah. job that's got to take some priority. Yeah, I got a little bit of there, and I see. Do we've got just a lot happening in the next um, six to twelve to eighteen months? So I'm going to have a little bit of sabbatical. I'm calling it at the moment, a little bit of breathing space, so we can focus on um, getting these out there and having a bit of a play with everyone. Cool. Well, it's been. I mean, it's been an absolutely stunning ride so far. Really, uh, really enjoyed it. And uh, and Skip, your your schedule's sort of getting into a bit of a similar place, isn't it? Yeah, uh, my my work is getting a bit busier, but uh, of course, apart from the NZ Tech podcast, I'm involved with uh, Film Guide and Game Guide, a couple of sites that have been uh, growing a bit. So we need to. They've sort of been focus doing really, really well. Yeah, so um, needing to focus a bit on that, and there is another side project coming out of those stables, which is combining a lot of stuff around that. Which I won't mention yet because we haven't started the the well we've started it but we haven't formalised and built it yet so um, yeah so I got a few <laughs> there's only so many hours in the day you can do your little hobby stuff and unfortunately well that's the challenge isn't it because yeah. we've all got you know uh, full time commitments outside of the NZ Tech podcast as yeah, well so. uh, and uh, and family so um, so yeah. Does does throw a bit of a spanner in the works uh, from time to time. So over the next uh, little while, I'll be transitioning out. I'm not going to leave so rapidly or anything like that. But uh, uh, as as I guess we get people in on board to help out, I'll um, slide off and do some other bits and pieces. But I guess now and again we'll pop back in and make fun of Paul and his iPads and his uh, his Lenovo's, his Lenovo's, <laughs> his Lenovo's. <laughs> we'll send him a brick with a Lenovo blade on it. <laughs> I am so going to miss these ribbing sessions that uh, <laughs> that I get. So no, we're, we're definitely going to have to make that uh, that sort of thing happen. So um, yeah, we'll drag you guys away from your work commitments from time to time. Definitely. Um, no, well, it, well, it has been. It's been a really fun ride, and um, yeah, th- um, thanks so much, guys. I mean, this wouldn't have happened any any other way. I can't uh, have seen it, you know, turning out any better any other way. This has been uh, it's been great. Um, and so what we what we're going to have to do over the next few months is um, um, find some really great guests so we can try and uh, live up to uh, live up to the standards um, that you guys have have have, uh, have set on the podcast. So, <laughs> I don't think um, I'd ever hear that moment in life when someone said that I set a standard. <laughs> My standard's so low; only anyone could do better than that. So don't worry about that. <laughs> My mum will be so uh, proud. It's been great. It's been great. So um, we do have some interesting guests um, that we're that we're working away on, uh, and a few of the ones that have been on on the show before. We're um, uh, we're gonna we're gonna be tapping on their shoulders and saying, uh, "Hey, we might need your help a little bit more often." Um, so um, yeah, so look out for um, one or two of our uh, our funny friends and um, other industry friends that have uh, that have been around in the past. And uh, yeah, we'll uh, we'll have a, a few others um, coming through as well. Um, we've got Nate, who was just on the on the show um, two or three weeks ago, yep. who was uh, who was really good. Uh, he, he's one of them. Uh, Di Henwood has uh, has put his hand up and uh, and and said he'll be uh, he'll be happy to uh, to show up from time to time. So um, um, yeah, rest assured, the NZ Tech podcasters uh, we're still going to be we're still going to be around, but just a bit of a change in uh, in uh, in format. So uh, yeah, thanks guys. Um, Been a blast. It has. So uh, thanks everyone for listening and do uh, do keep in touch with us online uh, Twitter dot com slash nz tech podcast Facebook dot com slash nz tech podcast and of course our official site at nz tech podcast dot com uh, and you can drop us a line via email as well if you like which is team at nz tech podcast dot com all right see you guys next week ciao ciao bye. <laughs>